Imagine you're the assistant director of the United States Department of Homeland Security in charge of the Secret Service and you get this phone call from a colleague. So yeah, we got a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit filed against us. For what? What's this about? Champ and Major, the dogs. Apparently the right-wingers want to get our communications from inside the White House about the dogs. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Hello, Duby friends. Before we start, just a brief heads up. Since we recorded this episode, some crazy but not surprising news came out. Judicial Watch, the same right-wing group that attacked Trump and Major Biden, has now filed a FOIA lawsuit against the Department of Homeland Security regarding Commander Biden. It's not enough that Newsmax and Judicial Watch attacked Trump as he was on his deathbed, basically, and they managed to get Major sent away from the White House. They're now doing the exact same thing to Commander, the president's one-and-a-half-year-old German shepherd. The scope of the lawsuit is records of any incidents of aggression or biting Secret Service agents by President Biden's dog Commander. Now, in December 2022, the press started reporting that uh, Biden doesn't trust some of the Secret Service agents around him and he doesn't believe certain details of the biting incident with his dog Major. Chris Whipple's book, The Fight for His Life Inside Joe Biden's White House, says that Biden has trust issues with some of the agents, uh, partly because they are very strong supporters of Trump. It also says, quote, a bigger problem was Biden's discomfort with his Secret Service detail. Some of them were MAGA sympathizers. He didn't trust them. Honestly, we don't either. Now more than ever, because it's very peculiar that both Major and Commander would nip only Secret Service agents and not other White House staffers, visitors, and so on, right? And not to mention the January 6th uh, insurrection and how the Secret Service afterwards tried to hide those, you know, quote-unquote lost text messages. Look, uh, the pups are innocent in our opinion. Just as Biden hinted, the dogs were probably provoked on purpose exactly to create situations that would lead to more fake outrage from Newsmax, all to fuel more MAGA craziness and hurt Biden, not politically necessarily, but personally, because look, it's a known fact. Biden loves Major, he loves Commander, and he adored Trump. Now, what's also weird is that CNN were the first media outlet to put out the Major nipping incident story, uh, and at the time, we wondered why. Well, now we know. Uh, we made an episode entitled The Purge, What's Going On at CNN. It's not about pets, but it explains CNN's sudden change in the way they report and why they became Fox News light, basically. But back to the presidential pet saga. While listening, if you replace the word major with commander, it's the exact same insane chain of events that's unfolding now. So brace yourself for a crazy ride. In this episode, we're going to talk about the new Biden pets, Commander and Willow. And we're also going to discuss Major and Champ Biden and how they were turned into political weapons in an extremely disgusting manner. Attacking a dying dog on TV and saying he's ugly, ugh. And we can't talk about politicizing pets without explaining the first case in modern history when a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit was filed against the US Secret Service in regards to Champ and Major Biden by a right-wing group. 
insane. And yes, people are curious about where Major is now. We'll address that too. We're also going to have some fun stories about other White House pets, some unexpected, more unusual pets who lived in the White House, actually a brief history of White House pets, if you will, and we'll have international presidential pets as well. Nemo Macron is a character. I love that dog. And breaking news, President Zelensky has four pets, not only two dogs, most people have only seen that one photo of him and his pups in the gym. Now, Volodymyr Zelensky also has a cat and a hamster, and we're gonna talk about that too. So lots of pets and cool pet stories this episode. We figured, you know, what best way to celebrate spring than making a pet episode. And by the way, apparently there is a White House bunny as well. Her name is Poppet, but she's not an official pet as far as we understand. So the Ukraine-Russia war uh, sucks, and we've done our episodes on it, uh, quite a few of them actually. And it's just draining, you know. You can only talk about it for so long before you get depressed. So we need a uh, we need a lighter mood. Yes, yes. So first thing first, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as any decent human being is concerned, I think once pets and children are off limits in politics, or at least they should be, we would do the same episode if the pets we're about to discuss would belong to a Republican president. I do not care who a pet belongs to. You can hate the owner. Don't hate his or her pets. Do not attack those pets. Don't turn pets into political bullets. It's lame. Okay, now that I finished my little rant, let's move on to a bigger rant. <laughs> yeah, if anybody attacks the bear, I suspect they will get more than a rant. Yes, yes, I can only imagine the bear. And by the way, guys, so Kelly bear the bear we call her the bear uh, she's an australian shepherd she looks just like charlie biden uh naomi biden's pet and she's very chunky and when she walks her bum bum is moving in such a way as if she's dancing it is i i don't know she kelly is just uh, adorable back to our ship politics is and always has been a massive business, but no presidential pets have been the subject of such despicable attacks by the opposing party than the Biden dogs, Champ and Major. With the arrival of the new White House pets, I hoped that far-right-wingers will maybe reconsider this nauseating habit of projecting their insecurities and anger on dogs and cats. It is ridiculous and it says more about their values and character than it says about the pets they attack or about even Biden himself. But my hope didn't come to fruition. The hate hasn't really stopped. Greg Kelly, a Newsmax host and, you know, a very strong, powerful, manly man who goes to the gym and posts about it on social media. He still likes to attack kitties and dogs. He recently tweeted a photo of Willow Biden with the caption, Stupid Cat. There's no way this guy is for real. It's like, oh no, he is. No, there's no, he I, actually is. I don't know. It's well, like, when, I, you, I do. when you first show me this guy, it's like, no way. There's nobody is this dumb. Well, <laughs> <laughs> apparently somebody is, but you know, stupid cat. I mean, who, what adults says that? And also, this is rich coming from someone who thinks a pet's tail is spelled tail, as in story tale. So, <laughs> I mean, in one of his other tweets attacking the now defunct Trump Biden, that's how he spelled tail. I can't believe that somebody goes to work and you work in TV and it's like, okay, what are you doing today? Well, we're going to get two guys who put together are about 387 years old 
on satellite image. And we're going to talk about dogs. And we'll get more into Mr. Kelly and his previous attacks on a very senior dog champ in a moment. But, you know, I want to point out that this is not about what politicians do, if we agree or not with their politics. It's about their pets and how distasteful, insane and potentially dangerous it is to politicize pups and kittens just because they belong to a political figure. And by the way, Willow the cat is a tabby. And uh, I didn't get to say this before when I talked about her. She is named after uh, Jill Biden's hometown of Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. And when the uh, first lady went there for a campaign event, Willow, who was at the time a farm cat, I think that it was code more or less for stray, she jumped right on the stage and Jill Biden decided to adopt her. So that's how Willow Biden became Cotus. By the way, Cotus means cat of the United States and commander is Dotus, dog of the United States. And on the adoption note, thanks to President Bush and Mrs. Laura Bush for adopting Papa Freddie Bush from the SPCA of Texas, and rescuing Kitty Bernadette from the side of the road and giving them a wonderful spoiled life. This is the kind of example we need. And people are very curious about where Major Biden is and if there are any updates about him. But before we get into that, so back to adorable Major. People are worried about Major Biden and lots of people are asking where is Major. And, you know, I was curious too, like everybody online was curious about this. So... After Champ's death and a few nipping incidents Major was involved in, the Bidens, after consulting with a variety of dog behaviorists and specialists, have decided that it is best for Major to live in Delaware with trusted family friends in a calm and less stressful environment. And honestly, that is a decision I fully support, as Major was suffering from anxiety at the White House, and that place was too much for him. We all have to remember at the time everybody was wearing face masks. Uh, then you have Secret Service agents at every corner, lots and lots of people. And the dogs came from a very calm, homey environment in Delaware to live in this massive place full of people at every step, right? So this was a very difficult decision for the Bidens, I can only assume, because they are pet people and they have had pets their entire lives and they do love pets. But at the end of the day, it's what's best for Major. And people are asking, why are there no recent photos of Major? Well, Major and the family taking care of him don't have a Secret Service detail, I assume, obviously, right? So there are no recent photos of Major because that would be a security concern. It's about Major's safety as well as the safety of the people taking care of him. And as far as I know, he's very well loved, spoiled, and he's doing great. His anxiety subsided and he has new dog friends in Delaware. So Major is not forgotten or abandoned. He's being protected from the spotlight and the agitation that caused his anxiety in the first place. So stories and photos of his new life and family would defeat the purpose of keeping his environment stress-free. And it's also a security issue for him and the new family because there are many, you know, crazy people out there who might want to harm the dog just because they hate the president. I would like to say that's ridiculous, but I mean, there has been at least one incident I know of where a president got assassinated and then a random drunk guy killed his dog. <gasps> so... Wait, what? What dog? Which person? That's where the name Fido came from. So shortly after Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, they sent the dog to live with a family friend. Same thing. And a random drunk guy on the street got in a fight with the new owner of the dog. 
and tried to stab the guy. And he missed because he's drunk and he stabbed the dog. Oh my goodness, that's horrible. Yeah, yes. so see, that's what happens with political stuff. And that's why these pets should not be politicized in the way they have been. Well, that's what happens in the 19th century. Because in the 19th century, everybody in America was sloppy drunk on hard liquor. I think we've talked about that before, but yes. Yeah, now they're quote-unquote drunk <laughs> on disinformation, to be honest. Champ, a most adorable, sweet old German shepherd... He was born in 2008 and sadly passed away last year, aged 13. Now, if you Google how long do German shepherds live, you'll see that it's somewhere between 9 and 13 years. So Champ was extremely old. In fact, I think 13 in German shepherd years would be something like 100 years in human years, I guess. Well, this didn't stop right-wing propaganda machine Newsmax TV. No, they had to attack a 13-year-old limping dog who only had months left to live. So they decided to use Champ as a political weapon. Keep in mind that a very old dog has like health issues. They have matted fur, things like that. So in an embarrassing display of journalistic necrosis, host Greg Kelly and two of his guests presented to the viewers as presidential historians agreed on live TV that Champ is dirty, looks rough, disheveled like a junkyard dog. I mean, you're going to have to look at these two guys that he was interviewing on this particular segment. For one thing, they are rough and disheveled because <laughs> they are ancient and they are presidential historians because they were alive when Thomas Jefferson was still president. That's why they've been, me, there. They've been no. there the whole time. You made me joke. I wasn't expecting you saying that. Yeah, so let's hear the tape. Did you see the dog? Let's get, I want to show you something I noticed. Doesn't he look a little, uh, little rough? <laughs> I love dogs, but this dog needs a, a bath and a comb and uh, all kinds of love and care. I've never seen a dog in the White House uh, like this. I've, I remember Buddy, I remember Millie, I remember lots of dogs, but not a dog who seems, I don't know. I don't know how much love and care he is getting. Let's bring in the historians. <laughs> I, I'm having fun with this, obviously, but I, I, I do want to talk about some stuff. Craig Shirley, Reagan biographer, presidential historian. Craig, welcome back. And Doug Weed, presidential historian, former advisor to George H.W. Bush. That's the White House where I remember Millie. Millie had, like, a staff, and they really took care of her. Very beautiful dog. This dog looks like from, I'm sorry, from the junkyard. And I love that dog, but he looks like he's not been well cared for. No, not, not at all. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Uh, no, he looks very dirty and disheveled and uh, very unlike a presidential dog like uh, Millie or Victory or something else in the past in the, uh, in the White House. Champ passed away three months after the Newsmax attack on June 19, 2021. But why this attack? Simple. The whole thing occurred in the context of the most severe freeze Texas experienced last year in 2021 when Senator Rafael Cruz, yeah, that's Ted Cruz's real name, fled to Cancun while people in Texas were burning clothes in their fireplaces to keep warm. The problem is that he left his adorable little pup named Snowflake, the irony, he left the pup behind. The senior editor of Texas Monthly, Michael Hardy, he snapped a photo of the tiny poodle behind Cruz's front door in the darkness all alone in a house without electricity and warmth and so on. Now, he wrote an article, obviously tweeted about this, and the tweet and the news about Snowflake got even more traction online because the Oval Poffice, 
handle is at the Oval Office like Office but with Po and double F, a fan account for the current White House pets and presidential pets in general, tweeted about the incident too, so the Oval Office contributed to amplifying the snowflake situation. So it became big news, even the New York Times wrote about Ted Cruz leaving his dog behind in a freezing house. The article was titled, Ted Cruz is going to the dogs. After this whole Texas thing with Ted Cruz fleeing for Cancun, people freezing, him leaving his little puppy, Snowflake, behind in a house without electricity, I guess Newsmax wanted to counterattack the bad publicity Ted Cruz was getting and to retaliate... Newsmax didn't pick a fight with Michael Hardy or the New York Times, as that would have been a lost battle from the start. I mean, those people are real journalists, so Kelly knew he wouldn't be able to take them on. So instead, Greg Kelly decided to attack an old dog, Champ, and the Oval Puffies, a Twitter fan account whose purpose is to promote adoptions and donate to animal shelters. Very manly. In fact, what you heard earlier is the second part of the Newsmax segment. Greg Kelly actually starts his bit by displaying on the screen a totally benign tweet from the Oval Office and lying to his viewers on purpose, skipping part of the tweet and claiming that the Oval Office is an official White House account run by none other than Press Secretary Jen Psaki, a complete fabrication as the Oval Office clearly stated and still does today in its bio that it's a fan account not affiliated with the White House. Oh, I got to show you some nonsense from the White House. They put this out. They've got this POFIS, some sort of cutesy account for the dogs. My dad, POTUS, is very upset. Many humans are enduring. Oh, give me a break. See, they're trying to be cute like a dog said all this stuff. He declared his dad a state of emergency in Oklahoma and Texas. I've never been so grateful to have a dad who genuinely cares about all of us. Pets, too. This Jen Psaki must have come up with this nonsense. It's so bad. Ooh. Anyway. And they say that Donald Trump tweeted weird stuff. Immediately after this segment aired, uh, the Oval Puffy started getting reported by hundreds of Newsmax viewers because Newsmax made sure the account's handle is displayed on the screen for an entire minute, exactly to cause the Oval Puffy to be banned. Now, Twitter's algorithm automatically suspended the account, but only temporarily thanks to a most adorable fox red Labrador retriever named Gipper. And Gipper's humans are lawyers, and they own one of the most respected and feared boutique law firms in the country, Claire and Locke. And the Claire Locke attorneys really do care about justice, and they even went after Giuliani, uh, Powell, and Lindell for their conspiracy claims about Dominion voting systems. So Gipper learned a thing or two. He's an experienced pup. So he wrote an official legally valid letter to Twitter's legal counsel, making it clear that the Oval Office didn't break any rules. On the contrary, they donate to animal welfare charities and they help get pets adopted. And Gipper demanded justice. So this letter is a work of art. It's written in Doggo. Gipper signed it with his own paw print and his title, Juris Doctor like dog Thor, like doctor, but dog. Oh my God. And he did all of this pro bono. bone Oh. Okay, was that too much? Is Justix, isn't this cute though? I'm just, I don't know. No, because I have the video stuck in my head with Giuliani where he farted in front of a, like. Okay, we cut. (laughs) No, I did not. There's, okay, we have to talk about Giuliani's farts. So Giuliani is, during this whole contest, no, 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 no. During the whole contesting the election ordeal. 
this was, I believe, after he uh, he sweated all of the hair dye off of his head. <laughs> uh, that I'm sure you saw that. And uh, so Giuliani is sitting in front of like an election commission panel in some random state, you know, giving his uh, his little speech. And, you know, there's a young girl sitting next to him uh, that's probably a staffer of some sort. And she looks like she's probably 25 or 30. And Giuliani, of course, is like 184. And uh, <laughs> so he's sitting there and he's doing his thing. And like mid-sentence, he stops for one word. And then there's a fart. Single witness. And right away, the girl looks and then she realizes what she's done and she tries to look away but it's too late she gave it away it's like yeah it was maybe a fart or it was maybe like a microphone uh, issue or something but when she like did this guy really just fart on me yes he did i did not see that that's crazy <laughs> I mean, I, it's like that was the best part of the whole ordeal is this guy is literally falling apart not emotionally, physically falling apart in front of our very eyes. His head is melting. He farts. You know, it's like, I didn't know that he was going to make it through the next couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's falling apart on all levels, if you ask me. But anyway, back to the story. Uh, the Oval Office account was rightfully reinstated in a matter of hours. So Gipper got the Oval Office reinstated, but also, you know, the fact that there are so many other pet accounts, really great people that tweeted in support of the Poffies, that helped a lot too. Now, let's discuss Major Biden for a bit. Major is the first shelter dog to have lived, even for a brief period of time, in the White House. But as we explained before, it wasn't the right environment for him, and he had a few nipping incidents. And because he is a shelter pup, all the breeders and puppy millers of the internet were jumping with joy. They thought a point was proven, as in only purebreds can behave. You know, which is really disturbing and disgusting. And as we'll see in a moment, so many other purebred presidential pups did much worse. One could argue some caused international incidents even. So this is, wait, so this is like a real controversy? <laughs> yes, this is a real thing. So... Major Biden had to, the Bidens had to give No, him... I get that. I get that he bit people. That's, and yeah, that's fine. Your dog, you know. He that's didn't what... really bite, bite people because, you know, when you say bite, people might imagine like this vicious attack, you know. Yeah, no, well. it was like nipping, which is, I mean, come on. I, don't I mean, know. it's a dog. That's what they do. They have, yeah. that's all they have is a face, you know. There you go, face first into everything. But yes. no, I was talking about people arguing with each other about, breeder dogs versus shelter dogs does that really happen yes i mean from what i've seen online there were discussions like oh yeah that's why they had to give up major because you know if they had bought him and uh, they would have known his lineage the dog would have behaved because you know but this was this was a dog from a shelter so which is i mean i got so upset it's just stupid yeah. You know, like dog behavior has nothing to do with whether a dog comes from a shelter or whether a dog was bought from a breeder, which, by the way, I don't condone at all. Like, as far as I'm concerned, everybody should adopt. But pets are pets and they react differently to different people. It's people who should grow up and understand that, you know, and just like Champ, Major got attacked in the press, but things went even further. So Major Biden is the only pet in history 
whose less than perfect behavior was considered reason enough by Judicial Watch to file a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit against the United States Department of Homeland Security for records of communication between the Secret Service officials assigned to the White House regarding the Biden family dogs. <laughs> so, okay, here's another, here's another question. When all of the judges are Republican appointees, what is Judicial Watch going to do all day long? <laughs> I, I do not know. I, I do mean, not it's know. already like three-fourths. And, you know, I'm not minimizing Major's biting, nipping incidents, but it's clear this lawsuit is using both Champ and Major as political weapons, even though Judicial Watch describe themselves as a conservative, nonpartisan, educational foundation promoting transparency, which in itself is an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> That's like saying I have a green orange sweater, you know. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Conservative nonpartisan is an oxymoron with accent on moron. <laughs> but either way, two months after they filed the lawsuit, on the same day that 13 U.S. service members died in a bomb attack at Hamid Karzai International Airport as American troops were withdrawing from Afghanistan, Judicial Watch tweeted, Breaking news. Secret Service records show Biden dog major repeatedly beat Secret Service personnel. The 36 pages of documents do reveal that Kimberly Chittle, the assistant director of the Secret Service Protective Operations, when informed about the lawsuit, she actually responded, this is ridiculous. <laughs> That's not breaking news, that, by the way. <laughs> no, and that, I remember that day. So that day... Like, there was nothing else on the news but the 13 um, U.S. military who got killed in a bomb attack, you know, as people were evacuating from Afghanistan. And these guys come with this breaking news tweet about the dogs. I mean, mm. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. And let me be clear. Judicial Watch also outed Champ, who was almost 14 at the time of the incident, for doing a doo-doo in front of the diplomatic room in the White House. And when the documents were released, so when Trump was outed for this incident, Trump had already passed away. I mean, I don't know. It's just... I, I, it's just crazy. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know what I always say, right? You can ignore your trauma and hope it disappears, but the only way forward is to deal with it. Life keeps throwing curveballs at all of us. Fireballs, speedballs, too many balls. <laughs> and when you're overwhelmed, you're not at your best and it affects your interactions with the people you care about. So how do you deal with it all? Call your therapist like I do. Yes, do be friends. I'm a BetterHelp happy customer. I've been using their services since way before we even started this podcast. I can attest to the fact that Sandra is, uh, shall we say, a much lovelier person to be around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up. Also, my therapist will love hearing that. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, it's affordable, it's flexible, and most importantly, it's entirely online. And you'll get 10% off of your first month if you sign up at betterhelp.com dubious, or just click that link in the episode notes. 
Yes, and then you can talk to your therapist whenever and however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. So do yourself a favor, take care of your mental health, because when you feel empowered, you are prepared to take on everything life throws at you. Visit BetterHelp.com dubious to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash dubious. Major is not the first presidential dog to generate headlines. This episode could very well be entitled A Tale of Two Majors. Uh, one of FDR's many pets, a German shepherd also named Major, beat Senator Hattie Carraway of Arkansas during a party thrown by First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. And according to an article in the New York Times, it wasn't a bad bite, just a scratch that made a momentary bit of excitement. See, because at the time, people were not losing their minds over little incidents. Andrew Hager, the in-house historian at the Presidential Pet Museum, yes, there's such a museum, told Denver 7 News that in 1933, and I quote, Major Roosevelt tore the British Prime Minister's pants that happened during the PM's very first trip to the White House. Staff had to find a new pair of pants so that Mr. Ramsey could modestly take his leave. <laughs> oh no, not the pants. <laughs> no, but I'm trying to say it's funny because, you know, uh, Roosevelt's dog was also named Major, and Major did, the Major Roosevelt did much more than Major Biden did, you know? <laughs> and And I think the story is funny, and it just goes to show again that I guess in 1933, nobody attacked that dog for being ugly or whatever. And he almost caused an international incident. But back to President Theodore Roosevelt, his dog Pete, a bull terrier mix, was described by the White House Historical Association as, I quote, the naughtiest dog to ever call the White House home. Pete attacked the French ambassador, Jean Josserand, and chased him across the south lawn and up a tree, ripping off his pants. So, <laughs> again, another pants. Did nobody ever tell these people, do not run from the dog? <laughs> dogs, no matter who they belong to, they're always going to be dogs. And people should just understand that and not cause such drama over minor incidents. It's crazy. At the dog park that Sandra and I used to go to, I only remember... There was one family that brought their kids to the dog park that actually properly taught their kids how to behave around the dog. Yes. And they were from Australia. They were not from the U.S. Yeah, and by the way, guys, that's how Neil and I met at the dog park because of our dogs, Odie and Kelly, a.k.a. Bear. <laughs> <laughs> now, in September 2008, Barney Bush, a Scottish terrier, beat Boston Celtics PR director on the wrist, breaking the skin and drawing blood. I guess Barney was not a fan of the Boston Celtics. <laughs> well, that could have been overdramatic too. I mean, you so, yeah, you're not going to get this joke. We all remember Paul Pierce being carried off the court, you know, with a, uh, a sprained <laughs> toe or something like that. It was a, uh, yeah, we'll just have to let that one go because Sandra doesn't know about the NBA. We're going to do our NBA podcast like 10 years from now. I have no idea about The it. NBA has more drama than Twitter by far. You are going to love it. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to trust you on that one. But this incident uh, with Barney Bush 
was not reported until after the November 4 elections, and two days later, on November 6, Barney beat then Reuters reporter John Decker's finger, and there's footage of the incident on the internet, and I stand with Barney. I mean, Barney obviously passed away, but I'm on his side. Don't stick your hand in a dog's face like that. And in the reporter's defense, he didn't make a big deal out of this either, and he was kind of smiling and thinking it was a funny situation as he was talking about it on camera, right? So that's what I'm saying. I guess that up to very recently, people were more relaxed about this kind of thing. I mean, it was a bite on the finger. I mean, nobody sued Barney Bush or the Bushes or (laughs) the Secret Service. Did he stick his hand out like open palm or like fingers open towards the dog? Yes, yes, like to pet him on the face almost. Like it was, that's what I'm saying. Like I... Yeah, nobody knows that you have to let the dog smell the back of your hand first either apparently yes yeah you put your hand in a fist and you know wrist up and you approach it to the dog's nose and they can sniff your hand with the fingers in like that and then you can slowly pet him yeah that's that's how it's done before we get into some really funny presidential pet stories i have a message for everyone Please, please, please adopt, don't shop. Even if you like a specific breed, there are pet shelters specializing in that. You can find any breed you want at the shelter. No reason to buy dogs and kitties as long as there are amazing loving pets in kill shelters everywhere that are going to, you know, lose their lives if they don't find a home. And look, the whole, uh, oh, but sometimes breeders are responsible. Not everything is a puppy meal. I don't know. Let's ask the female dog whose sole purpose is to give birth her entire life for some humans to profit out of that. So she might disagree. I think it's time that we, as a superior species we think we are, act like it. And people who make a comfortable living on the backs of innocent pets can surely find something else less exploitative to do. So please adopt. Adopt senior pets. They are amazing. Adopt pets with disabilities. Adopt black cats. They are not bad luck. That's such a stupid superstition. Adopt black dogs too. That's it. Adopt on shop and be kind and protect all animals. Even far away, there's a uh, another charity that brings to mind. So there's, there's an aviation uh, charity called Pilots and Paws. And this is people who volunteer. That's so cute. Yes, they volunteer their airplanes and they do all this for free. And they, you know, if somebody in, say, Nebraska wants a dog and a shelter in Mississippi, then they will just, you know, they will go figure out like three or four airplanes and they'll put it all together so that they fly the dog from Mississippi to Nebraska. So, yes. That's amazing. So, pilots and pose. Yeah. And by the way, guys, uh, if you haven't listened to our uh, earlier episodes about the China plane crash and some of the others, well, Neil is a pilot. So, that's how he knows all this stuff. I had no idea about pilots and pose, but I'm glad you told us. Okay, now let's get into some fun stuff and the more unusual pets that lived in the White House. Let's talk about those. And while most presidents had dogs, 31 out of 46 presidents actually had some other animals too. But as far as dog names go, John Adams wins the competition. (laughs) He was the second US president, but the first to reside in the White House. And he had two dogs named Juno and Satan and the horse named Cleopatra. (laughs) Now, during an 1825 tour of the United States, French revolutionary hero the Marquis de Lafayette visited the White House, and he had an unusual gift for then-President John Quincy Adams, an alligator. And Adams decided to lodge the reptile in the East Room of the White House, which had its own bathtub. And according to White House legend, 
he would freak out unsuspecting visitors on tours by showing them into the room with the alligator. I don't know. Like, if this is true, I don't like this story that much just because I feel it's kind of animal abuse to <laughs> keep an alligator in a bathtub. I mean, that's not where they're supposed to be, but this was 1825, so I don't know. Well, President Andrew Jackson, for example, this is this is a cool story. He was an ex-soldier and he loved swearing. So when he was elected president in 1830, he brought his pet parrot, Paul, with him. And it seems the bird picked up some... <laughs> the bird picked up some of the president's own salty vocabulary. And according to contemporary accounts, uh, at Jackson's own funeral service... At the family residence, the bird started loudly shrieking swear words, so offensive that it had to be taken away. So they had to take Paul away from the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes without saying that Andrew Jackson was also the only president to have like roosters in the White House, too. So yeah, he wasn't, I don't think he was fighting them in the White House or anything, but of course he did. <laughs> Now, the eighth president, Martin Van Buren, was gifted two tiger cubs by the Sultan of Oman. And Van Buren loved the animals, so much so that he fought Congress to be allowed to keep them in the White House. Congress argued that the cubs had been gifted to the United States, not Van Buren personally, and that it was up to Congress to decide what to do with them. Van Buren argued that they had been given to him, and that he wanted to keep them. In the end, Congress won and the cubs were removed from the White House and placed in a Washington Zoo. Now, this is a funny one. President Woodrow Wilson had a flock of sheep grazing the lawns. And one of the reasons was to cut down lawn cutting costs during World War I, which is something I kind of like. And among the sheep, there was a tobacco chewing ram called Old Dyke. Now, I don't know, but like tobacco, why would you give that to an animal? I don't think that's good. I think that's very detrimental to the animal. And I do get right. This was way back when, but still kind of crazy. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, goats steal stuff. He could have just taken it <laughs> when oh, nobody okay. was looking. That is true. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> and then the legend kind of like grew on its own that, yeah. Now, First Lady Grace Coolidge and President Calvin Coolidge had a variety of animals living with them at the White House, and most notably a donkey, a bobcat, and geese. And they adored animals. They also had a pet raccoon named Rebecca, and Rebecca was supposed to be part of the Thanksgiving dinner, and this is where I was like, wait, what? Like, who eats raccoon? Like, I mean, anyway, so... Rebecca was supposed to be part of the Thanksgiving dinner, and she was sent especially from Tennessee to the White House to serve this purpose. But the Coolidges could not bear the thought of eating Rebecca, as she was too cute, and they got attached to her very fast. And it's said that White House staff weren't so thrilled with Rebecca, as she clambered onto furniture and damaged the fine upholstery on a regular basis. <laughs> So first of all, I did not know that in the history of America, there was a time when Americans ate raccoons. I find it insane. And according to Associated Press and an extensive Washington Post article about Rebecca, early 1927 renovations in the White House forced the Coolidges into temporary housing. And they thought they would leave Rebecca to live outdoors in her low tree house and enclosure on the White House grounds, but the president missed her. So after he finished working one March day, he took Rebecca back to his lodging in DuPont Circle. And she borrowed close to him during the limousine ride, but then Rebecca beat him on the hand. 
And sadly, she was sent to live her life at the zoo with other raccoons. Now, this goes to show that wild animals should live in their natural habitats. People should just give up trying to do this stuff. Let them be with other raccoons wherever they live in their habitat. My poor grandfather, rest in peace, was twice in his life accosted by wild animals, and both of them were hilarious. So my first trip to a zoo when I was a kid, I'm with my grandfather. I'm probably like four or five years old. And, uh, you know, my grandfather came straight home from work and he's got, he's still got, you know, like his white button down, you know, dress shirt on. And uh, so we're walking through the zoo. We come across the monkeys, the chimpanzees. There's a boulder in the uh, little chimpanzee area. And uh, it's not glass. It's just a cage, you know, like bars in front of them. So... We're not completely isolated. And the monkey uh, does not like my grandfather at all. So the monkey, he jumps on the boulder and there's like a hole in the boulder and he pees in the hole. He leans over. He takes a big mouthful of the pee that he just put in the hole in the boulder, jumps on the bars and spits it in my grandfather's face. So my first trip to the zoo was like 10 minutes because he was so, he's like, he was so mad. He's like, screw this. We're leaving. So, yeah, don't go to the zoo. Not only is it a prison for animals, but the monkey may pee in your face. <laughs> and, um, yeah, the other time, so he also learned a lesson about playing with wild animals. So he had a he had an apartment above his garage. He built an apartment above the garage that nobody ever lived in, so I don't know what the purpose of it was. But flying squirrels took up residence in the uninhabited a garage apartment and uh, when he found out they were in there he didn't want to get rid of them so he would go up there and he would play with the flying squirrels and uh, oh yeah look there's fun they like me blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that went on for about two weeks and he, he got attacked and viciously scratched <laughs> in the face by the flying squirrels after they'd had enough of him so yeah we can't discuss presidential pets without mentioning nemo macron uh, a shelter dog who became the first dog of France. Nemo is one of my favorite presidential dogs. He is a dog ambassador extraordinaire for orphan pets and a national pride for the French people who adore him. And he regularly attends official functions and cabinet meetings with his dad, Emmanuel Macron. And during one such meeting at the Elysee Palace, bored by the inner city investment talk, Nemo stole the spotlight and generated headlines when he casually did a pee-pee on a gilded 1720s fireplace on camera. <laughs> now look, there, there is conversation about this. It's so good. I wondered what that noise was, said Brun Poirson, junior ministry for ecology, interrupted mid-sentence by Nemo's misdemeanor. Does this happen often? inquired junior minister Julian de Nomardry. No, you have triggered a totally unusual behavior in my dog, said Macron, laughing. So <laughs> I kind of like the fact that the French president, like any loving dog dad, kind of like jokingly blamed the people in the room for Nemo's lack of gravitas. And this is posed down one of the best uh, dog moments in history. Those people could have easily attacked Nemo. Nobody did that. Nobody attacked the dog. Do you know what I mean? This is what I'm trying to say, that... There should be a limit to how far politics should go. Leave the children and the pets alone. You know, if you have an issue with a candidate or with a president, whatever, speak up. It's a free world. But on the other hand, leave the dogs and the children alone. And on that note, do you know whose dogs don't get mocked ever? 
Putin's dogs. I don't, <laughs> I don't think anybody in Russia <laughs> would dare say anything about his dogs. Now, he did love one dog in particular, and I think it's because dogs are the only ones he can trust. And I also think his dogs are probably the only ones in the world that trust him. But Connie, Connie Putin... Well, the gymnast. Yeah, we're going to talk about, talk about the gymnast too. <laughs> he loves the gymnast. Yeah, he obviously loves the gymnast. And can you blame him? I mean, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, she's beautiful. But back to Connie Putin. Connie was this black Labrador dog and she looked... Just like Myori, a little chunky. That's how Connie looked. And Connie was often seen at the president's side and was sometimes allowed to attend meetings when Putin greeted world leaders during their visits to Russia. And Putin was being updated on the progress of the Russian global navigation satellite system, GLONASS, in 2007, when he inquired as to whether he would be able to buy a device hooked into GLONASS that would allow him to keep track of his dog, Connie. And the caller was demonstrated on Connie on October 17, 2008. So Connie was the first recipient of a GLONASS-enabled pet collar. So basically the first GPS collar, I guess, for dogs. Yeah. And see, this is the idea we're trying to get across, actually. Like, everyone hates Putin, right? Nobody hates Putin's dogs. I think this is what we've been trying to say all along throughout the episode in this context of politicizing presidential pets. And, as I promised, let's discuss a bit about Volodymyr Zelensky's pets. I did some digging. The Ukrainian president and first lady Olena Zelenska have a bunch of pets. People only know about the pups, Nora and Petya. Uh, Nora is a girl. She's the big white fluffy dog and Petya is the tiny black pupper. But the Zelenskys also have a kitty and a hamster. And the hamster is named Yasha. I wasn't able to find out the cat's name though, but I'm gonna keep trying. I found out it's a he and he looks a little bit like one of my kitties mau mau not much just a bit the facial expression you're gonna have like 30 cats and 15 dogs so you <laughs> yes you are the cat lady <laughs> yeah i probably will but look who's talking the guy who saves spiders at the dog park well in fairness you save all the bugs in your pool every night before you go to bed you have told me so otherwise you can't sleep if there's an insect struggling in the pool. So don't talk to me about spiders, especially when your dog killed the spider. Look, I'm not judging, okay? I did save a spider the other day with a piece of paper and a plastic cup, and I did take him outside. The thing is, like, in the process, I did hurt one of his many legs. I felt a bit guilty about that, but he was so fast, and I kind of miscalculated where to place the cup, so... Yeah, I, I hope he's fine. He's going to be better off than the one your dog took care of. <laughs> <laughs> and back to Zelensky's cat. I'll try to find out his name too, but I don't think the kitty's name is that important. What matters is that the Zelenskys are such a wonderful family, really. And, you know, their kids love animals, which surely they learned from their parents. And I didn't think I could love this family even more, but there's no way you cannot not love them even more. And I really hope with all my heart that Ukraine is going to win this war. And I think they will, because this is one of the most determined and big hearted nations. And they must prevail. Like they really, Ukraine must prevail and they will win. Yeah, I hope so too. It's sad to see uh, so many people suffering there and uh, sad to see the pet pictures too. 
Yeah, and about the pets and about the animals in Ukraine. You know, we discussed briefly about the animals in Ukraine in previous episodes, the cats and the dogs that are rescued, but those are just a few happy examples. You know, animals in Ukraine are really suffering, so I'd like to ask people to donate and help Ukrainian organizations and shelters. We saw the Oval Office posted many times about trustworthy Ukrainian animal welfare organizations that are on the ground in Ukraine, so people can find that info easily and help, because in worse, let's face it, animals suffer just as much as people. Not only pets, all animals, wildlife, animals in zoos, you know, birds. Imagine how terrifying it is for these pets and all the animals. They don't even understand what's going on. There's basically fire falling out of the sky. They're hurt, they're starving, thirsty, their habitats are gone. It's an ecological disaster too, so they do need our help. And we're going to add a link with those organizations in our episode notes too. Yeah, we'll do that for sure. So Sandra, do we have books? Yes, Neil, we do. This time it's only two books. The first one is called How to Zoom Your Room. Room Raiders Ultimate Style Guide by Claude Taylor and Jesse Barry. They are the people running the uh, Rate My Skype Room Twitter account, generally because they have a kitty named Ella, and sometimes she takes over the social media. She's their spokes kitty. Ella is actually on the cover of the book. Uh, the illustrations are made by Chris Morris, and the graphics is so cute. This book is good on so many levels. First of all, it's fun, and we really need some fun. Secondly, it combines design advice with political satire. Yes, an unexpected but brilliant mix. And very importantly, just like the Oval Poffice account, who donated $14,000 to pet shelters and animal welfare organizations last year through their online store, the Rate My Skype Room people are doing the same thing through their store and through the book project, and they help Native American communities. My second book recommendation for today is Canadian Animal Law by Victoria Schroff. Her Twitter handle is at Schroff Animal Law, S-H-R-O-F-F. She, of course, has a kitty too. Her name is Ariel, and Ariel has majestic whiskers, guys. Now... Victoria Schroff is a law professor. She has more than 20 years of experience in the animal law field in both the courtroom and the classroom. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, I don't want a stuffy, hard to read book. Good, because Canadian animal law is not that. And it's not only about animals in Canada. In fact, it is one of the most useful and interesting books I've read. You can see how pet custody cases unfold. You can read why animals should not be treated as property under the law. The case of Punky the dog is so, so sad and Victoria fought so hard to get her case heard at the Supreme Court, but there are also very positive aspects like getting cosmetic surgery for animals banned, which I think is great. And you know, farm animals and wildlife case studies are also included. So yes, it's a great read. So Canadian Animal Law by Victoria Schroff, a great book, whether you're a law student or just a regular person who loves animals. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe to get our exclusive premium episodes. You can do that on dubiouspod.com or by clicking the link in the episode notes. We are at dubiouspod on all social media platforms. Hope to see you guys there. We love feedback. So come by Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or TikTok and let us know what you think. And thank you for listening. Is that all we have for today? Yes. And I would like to tell people in conclusion, please adopt on shop. Uh, take care of yourself. Take care of nature. And... See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.